This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Tactical Yanks podcast, your podcast for soccer in America and around the world. I'm your co-host, Pete Douthit, and I am joined by my fellow co-host, Filippo Silva, and welcome to the Tactical Yanks podcast. Hopefully you enjoy. We'll be talking about U.S. soccer, European soccer, South American soccer, the World Cup, and much more. All right, everyone, we are back with episode... What episode is it? This is episode five. Five, five. So episode today five. we have an interesting episode. We're going to be talking mm-hmm. mostly, or if not the entire time, about CONCACAF and common ball, about the possibility of certain situations where they can work together or merge, and we'll address the positives and negatives of many. But before we start, Pete, just like most of our Americans abroad, you are officially injured. <laughs> yeah, I've been injured for a month now, but it took a while between the insurance and getting the MRI and the x-ray and everything to find out the damage. Acute, acute, complete rupture of the ACL. So, and a, a small, a fracture, a small fracture in the tibia, um, which is, it probably explains more pain than the ACL, to be honest. Yeah, it, it kind of sounds like you just became it's it's something that's been trending with the americans abroad essentially right now just getting injured all the time and well wishing you a speedy recovery there i've been through that quite a bit and it's it sucks but but look i went back to playing you're gonna go back to playing we're all gonna be fine and hopefully everyone's fine with injuries also with the americans abroad but pete nonetheless to say we have a lot to talk about today in many different topics with um and common ball because very often people just go ahead and say, we're going to we're gonna merge of common ball or, or whatever it is. And, and it's it, there's more to it, right? There's ways we can work together without merging that benefit both sides. And that's what we want to talk about here today. And also kind of like kick away some ideas that are just not going to happen, that are impossible and logistically impossible to happen. But before you do that, I know you do have a review you want to read. Yes, as uh, as promised, we'll read a review from iTunes or Apple Podcasts, I guess it's called now. So this one is from Cannot Get Enough of These Guys. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That's the title of the review. It is from CJ Perdomo on April 1st. If it's the live streams, interviews, or breakdown videos on their YouTube channels, Pete and Filippo provide the best soccer content around by far! Exclamation mark. I'm so stoked to have another source to enjoy their comprehensive takes on the beautiful game in the U.S. and abroad. I'm not much of a podcast enthusiast, 
But after listening to the first three episodes, I am hooked. Well, thank you very much, CJ. We appreciate it. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, that dropped the review as well. We'll make sure to read more every week. So we'll get to you, probably. We'll get to all the reviews. Yes, eventually we'll get to them. <laughs> now, now, Pete, going to back to our main topic of the day, uh, because there's many different sections of it, let's start with one thing. Mm. We're going to do by sections of what can happen in a possible merger or working together. The first one would be this scenario. Mm. CONCACAF and Commonwealth merge and World Cup qualifying becomes one, which mm. when you look into it, UEFA has, I think, 55 nations. CONCACAF, I think, has 41. Commonwealth has 10. So when they combine that 51, it's almost the same as UEFA, 51, 55. So they would probably have to do a qualifier, something like UEFA does with... Um, some groups that you eliminate many of the nations and then they're on, it, it goes from there. A couple of things to talk about here right away. And this is a discussion I had on Twitter. Uh, and for some reason it was a hot take, even though when I tweeted it out, I didn't think it was a hot take. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to talk to you about it because yeah. some people disagreed with me and some agreed. I said that the United States, the way we played this cycle, if we were in the Commonwealth qualifiers, I don't think we would have qualified. How is that a hot take? I don't understand. We barely qualified out of CONCACAF <laughs> in third place. Why would we qualify out of CONCACAF? That's, that's what I was thinking when I said it. Uh, and again, I think on paper, on talent, yes, we should be able to qualify in CONCACAF. I don't think that right. is a, a hot take either. We should be able to stay top four. There or at least compete for that or at least yeah. fifth. But the way we played... and. and I did some basic math just to elaborate my take on why we wouldn't qualify. One of them was what you just said. We're like, we qualified on goal differential on a weaker confederation. So if you go to a stronger one, the odds of qualifying are lower. So the first thing I said right away was, how many games in common ball away could we win? How many points could we get away in common ball? Based on how we played in this Yes. Oof. Four, I mean, maybe? you're the expert on Commonwealth, but I'm going to venture if we won one out of seven games away in CONCACAF to a terrible Honduras team, I would venture maybe one. You can get one game where you're like, okay, we got lucky, we played well here. Maybe, oh, Venezuela, not Bolivia, because of the altitude, it'd be crazy up there. Venezuela, maybe we could maybe beat Venezuela, them yeah, possibly. Yeah. Maybe one or at maximum two. I, I can't see us winning more than one or two away games in Comable. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. So the, the math I did was pretty much the away record. And with that, what I checked was um, we would win one. So I put one. Let's say we beat Venezuela. And then I said, we can definitely grind out a draw here and there, right? Depending on the opponents. Um, we're definitely not tying Brazil or Argentina away. We know that. <laughs> Uruguay also. But we could definitely pull a draw with Peru, maybe go to even Colombia and get a draw, Chile. But let's say we get five points, which yeah. based on our record in CONCACAF, that would be not that bad in Comeball. So five points. And what I want to check here real quick is the number of points of the CONCACAF, the Comeball qualifiers. So for the Comeball qualifiers, Fifth place, Peru, which didn't qualify directly, got 24 points. Mm -hmm. And Ecuador, the first team in the top four, got 26, which means if we want to stay top four guaranteed, we would need 27 points, right? One point ahead of Ecuador if you don't want to do goal differential as well, even though that's how we qualified in CONCACAF. So if we got five points, if we got five points, let's even change it. Let's make it six points. We, okay. may, we got six points away. Mm 
Okay. We would need 21 points at home out of nine games. And that's seven wins. Seven wins at home. Two of these games would be out of the nine. Two of these games would be Brazil and Argentina. Yeah. That's yeah. bad. And then we go face Uruguay, Colombia, all these other teams at home. Do we really think we would have won seven out of nine? No. No, no. I don't think so. It, I mean, no. look, I mean, I guess the way that I look at it is a little simpler. It's like you're not going to finish above Brazil or Argentina, right? Mm -hmm. Those are teams that you play them 10 times. You can win one time out of, you know, play well, get some luck. They have an off day. But nine times out of 10, you're losing to those teams. In my opinion, we're also losing to Uruguay. There's no way... I don't think we'd be like, we don't finish above Uruguay is what I'm saying. So that's already the top three gone. Peru, Ecuador, Colombia, even. I can't see it. I can't see us finishing above those, at least those five or six teams, possibly more, you know? So yeah, I just don't see us qualifying out of Comable. Yeah. The way, we, and again, just for us to reiterate this, it's due to how we played. If right. you start, if you it's start to look on talent. Yeah, if you look just on paper, straight up on paper, I put us fourth in common ball, just behind the three Pete mentioned, Uruguay, Brazil, and Argentina. On paper, I do see us better than Peru, Ecuador, um, Colombia, Chile, that has aged very badly. So on paper, I would put us fourth, which would qualify us automatically. But the way we played in qualifier wasn't really to our potential. Honestly, the way we played on qualifier, Canada would have a higher chance of qualifying in common ball than us by bunkering. Well, yeah, yeah, because they'll play better. See, the way that they'll play is defensively in counterattack, right? And that sort of plays into, they're very good at that. We're good at it too, but Canada has made an art out of it, you know, is to bunker, compress time and space in the final third, and, and then hit you with lightning quick counterattacks with deadly, deadly players on the counterattack, you know? So, yeah, yeah I mean, kudos to Canada. <laughs> if it works, it works. But... But the main the main reason I wanted to talk about this part of the World Cup qualifying is this. If it did happen that they merged and we talked about the scenario that we would have 51 nations, which is similar to UEFA, similar qualifiers and everything, um, probably would we would have more spots as well in the World Cup, but less than UEFA. My question to you is this. There's positives and negatives to this, right? Even though I don't see that. Well, the negative is not really negative in my opinion. What do what do you like about this, and what do you not like about this? If you of don't like merging it? the two confederations completely, yes. So that means World Cup qualifying, Copa Americas, and Gold Cups are merged. Uh, Libertadores is everybody plays in Libertadores, Nations League. We'll get to Libertadores later. Uh, more right now, let's just focus on on World Cup qualifying because the Libertadores there's a bigger problem with it, which is the traveling among the clubs. The the. Uh, the that's a problem with World Cup qualifying too. There's one solution to that though. For example, if we if we have a three-game window, right, right, and Canada is going to face Brazil, you just put them to play all three away games in that window. So they play Brazil, Argentina, and Colombia, right? And so they're just going to go straight to South America and stay there. And the same thing for the South American nations when they have to play up north. It, it would just require some smarter scheduling, which I would hope these incompetent federations would be able to do some basic um, well elaborated um, scheduling, which they should be able to. It doesn't require so, that much of intelligence there. So, how many teams do you think would qualify? Because obviously, all of Concacaf can't qualify for the world or can't play in a qualifying round, right? Mm -hmm. So, how would you do it? So, you would have the ten teams from South America, and then how many teams from Concacaf would play against them? So, you would essentially need to have. So, how many spots would we have? Is the best question. 
right? Well, you've got three and a half plus four, four and, and a half. half. Right? So now so that's, eight spots. Yes, eight spots total, right? Right. So if you have eight spots total, you do groups of eight. The winner, or actually, you can you do eight group, groups. No, eight sorry, groups? You, you do six groups, kind of like how UEFA does, right? Six groups. Yeah. Six spots for the ones that win each group, and then they all face each other in playoffs to get the last two spots. That's and what. How would you seed the groups? What would you base it on? FIFA rankings, also. They would have to do some FIFA rankings or Concacaf rankings there to to do uh, stages beforehand. The same. So the U.S. would be a, a number one seed then. Yes, they would. Based on FIFA rankings, at least. Yes, UF. Uh, so the number one seeds right now, from the top of my head, we could go right away. Would be yeah. Brazil, Argentina, Mexico, United States, Uruguay is definitely up there. Yeah. And then probably the the other one, number six, I think actually Colombia is the, was the highest ranked there, wasn't it? Let me look it up. Yeah, it could be Colombia, but but essentially it would go down to that, and then the winner of each group would qualify to the World Cup, and then the second the second place of each group they would have some playoffs that we would have, and they would qualify just like Europe. So yes, some nations would struggle. So you could end up in a group where Canada, that's a very good team, is in the so same the, group as. Go ahead. The fourth the fourth seed in Kongmebol is Colombia. What number is it? They're seventeenth. So they're pretty high ranked. Yeah, so they would they're be six. High. They would be the sixth one. So the the, the so, seeds of these six groups would be Brazil, Argentina, Mexico, United States, Uruguay, and Colombia. Yeah, yeah. And, and then, so then you would have how many in each group? Um, could do something like six teams in each group. So that's pretty much um is almost. Away. Yeah, almost all the nations are there. You would just eliminate a few of the probably Caribbean nations and some of the weaker common ball nations, like at least one or two would be eliminated on the, the pre-qualifying process, have which to qualify for the group stage. Yes. Here's the problem. There's not enough South American teams to have. If you go by seedings, the U S would be first. They would have a South American team in second. There would only, there would be very few home games. This is the problem because the U S and Mexico would not play. Well, I guess you would get a lot of CONCACAF teams too, then because there's only 10 South American teams. Yeah, yeah, and you can just put them all that when they play their away, they just play away. Uh, also, these three three game windows, you just do long traveling. If you're going to do long traveling, only do two game windows. So you can't have very large groups because you do need that flexibility in the calendar to plan. But it's possible. Right. Well, the if Ocho really is eight. So if you're saying six, you eliminate four games already, right there. Yes. So maybe you can yeah. have more two game windows. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's possible. It's possible. But what are the advantages and disadvantages for both CONCACAF and CONMEBOL? I have two thoughts. Well, one that's pretty obvious that I think you're going to mention as well, the competitiveness, right? It's going to be tougher yeah. to qualify. So there's more competitiveness. You're going to face tougher teams. And, and in your group, there's less room for error because you need to finish first, right? Yeah. So the U.S., for example, we could end up in a group with United States, Peru, yeah. Um, Bolivia, Panama, Honduras, and Jamaica, or, or not even Jamaica, but let's say Trinidad. That's yeah. much tougher than what we just faced in the Ocho. Yeah, so, which means we maybe don't qualify. <laughs> or yeah, we get so, second and we have to go to the playoff. Yeah, it, it would it would make things a lot tougher. Um, less room so that for would be error. a disadvantage in some sense. In some ways, it would be an advantage because you play tougher teams, right? That would be a pro. Yeah. The con would be you might not qualify for the World Cup. It would, it would, it would force us to get better or not qualify. But obviously, we having lots of verticality and balance. And yeah, a lot. Obviously, 
with the incompetent federation we have, this would worry me in terms of qualifying. But yeah. for the long term, we, it would just force all these nations to always be in their A game, always trying to be better. Even Brazil, because now they need to win that, right? They need to win it. They don't have all that gap because Comebol is very easy for Brazil and Argentina right now because they have so much depth just and it's so room. many. Yeah, they can make mistakes. And, and they'll, they're fine. Now, if there's only like, hey, guys, it's 10 games right here. And if you don't finish first, you don't yeah. qualify. You can't mess up that much. You so don't it's have a lot more. more like UEFA where the, the margin for error is not. You have to get first. Because mm -hmm. if you get second, all of a sudden you play a one-off game against North Macedonia and then you're out, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. there's, that's when people say UEFA is not hard because they play the Faroe Islands. It's like the Faroe Islands is not the problem. That's team six in your group, right? The problem is the number two and three teams are very close to you. And if you have one off day, you're really behind the eight ball. And so that's mm -hmm. what this would do. It would essentially say you're not allowed an off day because if you do, you will be punished. And the U.S. had multiple off days in CONCACAF qualifying. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We had a lot of room for error. We were, we were given a lot of lives in this one. Yes, but we really were. Now, I think over the long term, that's one benefit right away. You either adapt, improve, or you're not going to make it. Simple so it's as a that. benefit for both CONCACAF and CONMEBOL. Yes, I think yeah. CONMEBOL would benefit as well because there are teams in CONCACAF that can give CONMEBOL teams a run for their money, including the top ones, right? Canada, Mexico. Dude, Canada would be a C2. That would be a problem for many teams, having Canada land in their group, right? Yeah. So so it, it would be much better in terms of competitiveness. And now I think for CONMEBOL, one thing that needs to be said there's a lot of money in the United States, Mexico, and Canada, right? Yeah, sure. Unfortunately, in Central America, the income goes down, and and that wouldn't help much. But there would be more money flowing into Commonwealth mm. uh, through the United States, through Mexico, and honestly, maybe even international viewers. Because with a more competitive World Cup qualifying, all these teams, you could get some international viewers to at least give it a look, like we yeah. do to UEFA, right? And I think with the competitiveness improving over time, what would happen is just the interest would grow here, right? And this confederation could, in 20, 30 years of this process, become something more competitive with UEFA because UEFA is by far the best confederation with yeah. most teams. This confederation with a more competitive environment and more money flowing in, American money, Mexican money, Canadian, flowing into these nations too, it would lead to be a, a confederation that I don't think we would reach UEFA status. That would take much more than 20 years. No, much but more. it, but it, we would definitely be a confederation that it would, it would, it would make the gap smaller. I think yeah. my concern with this is the con of there's a high chance the U S might not make the world cup. And this is a problem because the, the soccer in America is all, <laughs> largely funded by the world cup. Like, Go, not going to the World Cup in 2018 really hurt the Federation from a financial perspective. So the U.S. not qualifying for the World Cup might actually do more damage to the game than help right now, right? Um, now, if we're talking about the expanded World Cup, you have a lot more breathing room, right? Mm -hmm. Because let, what, what do we think it's going to be? Probably it's three and a half right now. For I actually have it here for you. Yeah, I let's look at how many spots both CONCACAF and CONMEBOL together would get? Because that's the next 12. one. That's 2026. 12. So it looks like it's going to be 12. Six so and now six. the top two qualify from each group. Yeah. So together, 12. Now that's a lot better because 
there's still not as much breathing room, but there's much more. Yeah. Right? Well, now if you land in a group with Canada, which is a team that can battle for that one spot, you could mess up a little bit with Canada, but you can still finish second, right? Italy would have qualified. Canada and Peru, you might get third. We finished third in CONCACAF. <laughs> you know what I mean? But that's so, more of a that's more of a us problem rather than. Yes. But but remember too one thing. Um, I know we can go on and question Greg Berhalter all we want here. We don't want to waste time with that at this point. We already said everything we had about Greg at this point, and let's just move on from that. But if there was less room for error, because Greg's aware of the error, mm. maybe he would have given up on some of his favorites that he did give up later on throughout the campaign. They start to not play. Maybe he would have given up on them earlier because he can't be that dumb. You know, I want to say you're right. But I don't know. I, I think that genuinely Greg believed that those guys were key contributors. I mean, he just told Colin Cowherd the other day that Roldan is a, a glue guy. And that's the same like rhetoric that we were hearing about Leggett. And he's a real leader. Zardes is just shakes everybody's hand. You know, like all these, like whenever they talk about these guys, it's never about the soccer. It's always about how they're really good at ramping guys up. You know, Zardes irons the creases on shirts. Just perfection. <laughs> like, it's just like, dude, how about some real on-the-pitch contribution, okay? Because some people say you need guys in the locker room who are just locker room guys. I'm going to push back against that. You definitely need locker room guys. They need to also be able to contribute on the field. Because if you're not contributing on the field, you should be a coach. If you're a great locker room guy, assistant coach or ball boy. I don't so know. So maybe we should bring Christian Roldan to be Greg Berhalter's assistant coach for yeah. for the world, or or not even the assistant, the assistant to the coach. That's what he should be. Assistant in the world. to the assistant coach. Yes. He be Luchi Gonzalez's assistant. Yes. That that yeah. worked. I, I would have no issue with that. I, I just find it hilarious that like, okay, let's say Brazil called up a good Brazilian player, right? Who played in the Brazilian league. And he got called up to World Cup rosters, but he never performed for the national team. Whenever he played, no goals, two assists and 31 caps. It was a general liability. Would Chichi, when the media asked Chichi, why do you bring this guy? Would he ever use terms like, oh, but he's a great, you know, samba dancer or whatever. In the locker room, he's a great guy or not? I'm curious. Well, if he ever, I, I, we never really had that situation, right? People torched Chichi and burned him because he was calling Gabigol, right? Right. Um, and Gabigol scores in the Brazilian league, but he doesn't perform for the national team and everything. And, and so Gabigol is our Rodan, basically. Yeah, just that he would probably be our best center forward if he was for American. In yeah. terms of like comparison, yeah. for comparison's sake. Yeah, our Rodan. And, and they torch him, torch him. And I don't think he's going to call up Gabigol again. <laughs> so, did, so, wait, did the media tell the fans to go to cooking TikTok? No, they okay. don't. The, the media doesn't really. The media doesn't really interact with the fans. They just do their job, right? This country here, we don't have journalists in U.S. soccer. We have a bunch of propaganda machines at this yes. point. And there's no real journalism in U.S. soccer. It's just propaganda machines that do whatever the federation or their company tells them to. Do you realize that in the last two months, we've had three separate articles about how awful the American fans are from American soccer media? There was the first one where they interviewed Zardes and Wando and all those guys, right? Then there was the second one that Grant Wall put out. And then the third one that recently. The one that Grant Wall got a letter from. Yeah. Uh, it, was <laughs> Brant, letter. it was Brant Brawl that sent him. Brant Brawl. <laughs> and then you had this third one telling fans if they don't like 
you know, how the team is playing, they should go join cooking TikTok. So I just find it hilarious that in the last two months, we've had three separate articles from, you know, different media outlets, right? Two of them from the athletic, by the way, telling about what's wrong, not with the USSF or the American soccer landscape or the players or the coach or anything, but what's wrong with American fans. Yeah. Um, congratulations to the athletic becoming a joke <laughs> of a, a media company, but anyone we're ever, anyhow, we were moving away from the topic here. So yes. world cup qualifying, um, yes. I would be for it happening. Right. If we I would be for, if we get two spots per group, if, if we do it the way that you mentioned where, okay, the top two go through, I still think it would be tough. I still think that would be very tough because you could easily get some tough teams and it's not just the top South American teams going. What if you get Bolivia or, or, or Chile, you know, or Paraguay playing in Paraguay, that's going to be really tough for the U S yeah. so, but I, overall, I agree with your point. Are there any other pros and cons to merging world cup qualifying that we can think of other than the ones we've already said? No, I think those are the general grasp of it. More competitiveness, so more improvement over the long term, more money flowing into the confederation as a whole. Uh, the, the the big nations would improve over time. Now, if I tell you that the Caribbean nations or the smaller nations will improve over time, I would probably be lying to you because the smaller nations in Europe also don't really improve much over time. Well, they just have to get in. For them, it's about qualifying for this final round. They still get to play their pre-qualifiers, right? Yeah. Yeah, but they're not going to become – it's not going to re revolutionize their soccer. Uh, they, they might actually improve a little bit, but they're going to also be in a tougher confederation. So in terms of them making it to the World Cup, it, it's not a good outlook. But yeah. regardless, for the confederation as a whole, more money will flow in and more money will come into those countries. Whether they'll use it, it properly or not, whether yeah. they'll use it properly or not, that's a different question, and we can't really control that part, right? The Jamaican Federation does not use their money properly, and we know that for a fact. So we don't know what these other federations will do, but more money would flow in because it would just be a richer confederation. Right, now, right. And it would could compete in terms of eyeballs with Europe, I think. Eventually, yeah. Eventually. Like, well, eventually. even if you just merge the two, North and South America, that's a massive population, mm -hmm. right? I mean, North America is, what, 600 million people? And then what's the population of South America? It's almost a billion, right? I don't know, but it's probably more than North America. Oh, way more. Yeah. So the population of South America, okay, I, that's extreme. In 2016, the population of South America was 422 million. So let's say closer to five. There's a, that means probably a billion people between North and South America that would you know be paying attention. That's, that's like a little bit over half of China. Yeah, barely. <laughs> But the, but the truth is the whole world watches European qualifiers, right? For the world cup. Yeah. So, but yeah, uh, I think you're right. I think we could eventually compete in terms of quality and popularity. Yeah. I agree with that too. But anyone, we still have more to talk about. We're going to talk about the Copa America and gold cup merging, which that one actually looks like it will happen to a certain extent in 2024. We'll talk about that. And then we'll address obviously the Copa Libertadores and the CONCACAF champions league merging, which that one, just a spoiler alert, I'm very much against. And I'll explain why. You're against the Copa America? No, I'm against the Conca Champions and Libertadores. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll sure. explain why. But anyhow, let me do this real quick. Right now, we have to say a big thank you to our sponsor. And yes, we have a sponsor, Pete. Yay! The first sponsor for the Tactical Yanks pod. Who is it? 
And thank you, DraftKings, for sponsoring this podcast. The NBA playoffs means next-level basketball. Get ready for an action by betting in the play-in tournament with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sporting bets partner of the NBA. And I know a lot of you watch soccer, but there's definitely some basketball fans out there. That's what I'm trying to say. Now, new customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets instantly. You can clinch a win no matter what. All DraftKings sponsor books customers can also bet on NBA hoops with the same game parlays. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TBPN. Bet $5 on any NBA game to win their game during the play-in tournament, which, I mean, it's just the playoffs, essentially, to get $150 in free bets instantly. So once again, download the promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook. Thank you very much, DraftKings, for sponsoring this podcast. Yes, that's awesome. Thank you, DraftKings. All right, so let's get back to the podcast here, which is what matters. Actually, I'm joking. Thank you very much, DraftKings. <laughs> Definitely, it's very important for us to have a sponsor here and use the code TBPN. So the second topic of this one is the Copa America. And I think this one's actually the easiest one of them all. Yeah, um, I think it's the most obvious win. It's a no-brainer, right? There's absolutely no reason why it shouldn't happen. One, the Copa America doesn't have the traveling issues because it, there's a host nation, yes. right? Uh, also, you can pretty much include maybe 18 nations or 16 nations, right? If you want to do nine from Comenbol and nine from CONCACAF, then you can have 18. Or you can do 10 from Comenbol and eight from CONCACAF or 10 from Comenbol and six from CONCACAF. Well, that way you'll have, have groups of four. Don't you need either 16, 20, or 24? Because 18, um, you have a problem. You, What I would do, this is what I would do personally, okay? And it might seem a little unfair with CONCACAF, but what I would do would be have 16, just like the Euros, right? They had 16. Have mm -hmm. all 10 common ball nations and have six of the CONCACAF nations. And, and that's what I would personally do. And yeah, I think it would I, be I fair. I agree with that. I think most people outside the top six in CONCACAF couldn't compete in, in Copa America anyway. Yeah, it would. It, so look, if you look at World Cup qualifying right now, it would be Canada, Mexico, United States, Costa Rica, Panama, and then I think it's either Jamaica or El Salvador. I'm fine with that. I would personally want to see yeah. Jamaica there, but El Salvador. <laughs> I just want Jamaica there for the vibes. Yeah, they just have the best vibes in Concacaf. So, and you never know; they might no, they, they're 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 nuts. <laughs> but, but I think Copa America um, having one. Copa America with all these nations, there's really no disadvantage. Um, I don't see any negative in my opinion. So I agree with you. Should we should we just go with for 2024? I want to give the guy who broke the news or at least mm -hmm. leaked it some credit. His name is Gustavo Lopez. He said on Twitter a couple of days ago, unofficial, Conmebol and CONCACAF would be working so that the 2024 Copa America is played in the United States with teams from both associations and how I anticipate the 2026 World Cup. So that's a translation from in Spanish. Uh, I just, you know, read the English translation. Essentially, he's saying that it's in the works. They're discussing it. This would be huge. Yeah, I, especially because we're not going to have World Cup qualifying for that cycle. But I hope this continues, right? It can't be a one-time thing or like the Centenario one in 2016. But okay, I, it, but the Centenario wasn't even a real Copa America. It was no. an extra Copa America that they just made up in between two Copa Americas to celebrate the 100-year. To make money. To make money, basically. 
nothing wrong with that. I'm glad they did it. And I'm glad we participated in it and we made it to the semifinals and it was a great tournament, but this is a real scheduled Copa America. So this is, I think a better step in the right direction than the Centenario. Yeah. And I don't remember all the nations for that Copa America, but I remember Brazil sent like a, a D team. Like nobody even knew some of the, like Brazil didn't care enough about that. But if it's an actual Copa America, we're going to get the best side of from Brazil, hopefully. And many other, all the South American nations bringing their best teams. I hope this becomes a regular thing. Every four years, have a Copa America with, with CONCACAF and Comebol. The only thing I would hope for is that we start playing it away a little bit more. And I understand that for 2024, it's okay to be in the U.S. Yeah. because we will play the World Cup in the U.S. So, so we have that time. advantage. So it'll be fine. But after that, we're not going to play the World Cup in the U.S. for decades probably right yeah um, unless they do it every two years then it might be more <laughs> and they put it in the u.s every time every other it's the best place to make money <laughs> every other every other they're like every other is in the u.s so <laughs> um so pretty much a world cup in the u.s every four years if they do it every two years um yeah pretty much but, but essentially what i think about it is after that we should do the Copa america for the most part away um get it out of here Let, let's go play a copa america in uruguay and argentina combined or in brazil places where the u.s gets that different experience because uh, I, it's how jay hernandez loves to call on twitter he calls uh, us a pajama team that we're just comfortable at home <laughs> so so we need to stop being a pajama team as he said yeah. so uh, that <laughs> also i think there's this this sort of unfair thing with CONCACAF that it's just like the most difficult place in the world to play that nowhere else in the world is like it. There's all this fan pressure and the atmospheres are insane. And I'm like, y'all need to watch CONMEBOL more because I think the atmospheres in CONMEBOL are tougher environments in many ways for a variety of reasons. And you watch CONMEBOL way more than I do. So you can speak more to this, but in terms of atmosphere, have you ever been to the Bombonera? Like, are you kidding me? Like atmospheres in every World Cup qualifier in Conmebol, crazy. Uh, pitch quality, sometimes good, sometimes not the best. Altitude, obviously, is really tough. Passion, um, what they call concacafing, is basically the same thing they do in most professional soccer around the world. You know, diving, faking injuries sometimes, wasting time. Like that stuff exists to the same degree or even a greater degree in CONMEBOL. So this idea that CONCACAF is this special, unique federation where what happens here doesn't happen anywhere else in the world, it's just not true. I'm sorry. Well, and, and not just that. The, the fans there are as hostile or worse. I think yes. it's worse from what I've seen, and I've seen quite a bit here and there. Uh, there's more than one nation that plays in the altitude. It's not just Bolivia. Ecuador throws some games in the altitude. Colombia is capable of throwing a game in the altitude. So you never know what you're going to get. Here it's just Mexico, right? And it's also not as high as like Bolivia. I think it's like half the altitude of Bolivia. Uh, you go to Argentina to play at Monumental Nunes, uh, Monumental de Nunes, the River Plate Stadium, or La Bombonera. It is hell to play in these places. Um, Uruguay at Montevideo. So it's just different and it's the environment is worse to play at and you're facing world-class players, something CONCACAF very much lacks, right? 
you're not facing um like we talk about Raul Jimenez in the past how he was a dangerous player but in the past in Commonwealth right now you're going to go face Lautaro Martinez you're going to go face Luis Suarez Neymar Vinicius it it would just be much better and we have to play away because the environment would be worse for us for sure in Commonwealth but Pete yeah. I think the Copa America, there's not much more to talk about here. It would be also with all these nations playing um, over time, like we said, more eyeballs would turn out to it throughout the world to watch it. But let's go to the last one, um, which is CONCACAF Champions League and the Copa Libertadores. For anyone that does, well, I'm sure everyone that's listening knows what the CONCACAF Champions League is um, and how it's one of the worst Champions Leagues that you can have. No offense to it. Uh, it all It's almost a Champions League of two nations. It's almost Liga MX yeah. versus MLS. It's so, basically a two-horse race. Yeah. And then you have the Copa Actually, Liga. it's a one-horse race with a little horse every now and then getting close. <laughs> yes, true. Liga MX has completely Liga has won all of them for how long now? 20 yeah. years. So, yeah, it's a one-horse race with a little pony trying to catch up to it. But yeah. But that pony has been growing. That pony has yes, been growing. It's getting stronger. It yeah. got its ACL repaired. <laughs> <laughs> but the Libertadores, for anyone that doesn't know, it's the Champions League of South America, right? The ultimate trophy of South America that if you win, you go to the FIFA Club World Cup. And the merging of these two, because Liga MX teams have played as guests in the Libertadores in the past and some have done well. I think the furthest they make was they might have made it to the final once or semi semifinals for sure. I can't remember now final. Regardless, yeah. they never won it, but they've done well in the past. And then they stopped going. Some clubs are being invited. I heard Club Leon, I think in Pachuca, have been invited to return and they might return in a year or two. But then there were people asking for CONCACAF Champions League and Libertadores to merge. And that one is a problem, right? Because we were talking about logistics of traveling with World Cup qualifying between nations. So nations, you can literally just put all their away games in one window and they'll just stay in South America, finish there and go back to Europe. And that's mm -hmm. fine. Or back to the US. Now, this one, that is not really possible, right? Because what's going to happen is this. Um, let's use Flamengo from Brazil as an example and Seattle Sounders from MLS as an example. Flamengo and Seattle face each other in the knockout round. Mm -hmm. And then they have to play on a Wednesday at Rio de Janeiro. So Seattle has to travel all the way to Rio de Janeiro. That's probably 15, 16 hours. Okay? Yeah, that's a far flight. And they have to play MLS over the weekend. So yeah. that's already one day traveling. Time zone also would be a problem. And then all of a sudden, Flamengo then has to go travel to Seattle on the other one. And that's play. just Brazil. Imagine if it's Buenos Aires you have to go to. Or Uruguay too, South. Or Uruguay yeah. or Chile. Yeah. So logistically, that would make it impossible. Now, there is a couple scenarios where and, – and you agree with that so far, right? 100%. Yeah. So we're not against it from a competitive standpoint. It would be awesome for MLS clubs to go get tested, Liga Mekis club to go there, get tested, and make more money out of it and everything. But what I think that can happen is for the clubs to face each other and all that, maybe we should make a King of Americas tournament where Common Ball sends their top two or three teams and CONCACAF sends their top two or three teams and just a, a trophy that is the Kings of Americas, the CONCACAF Champions League champions or best teams versus yeah. the Libertadores. 
And that can be a way to drive interest because I would love to see one or two MLS sides facing some Brazilian, Argentine sides and vice versa, right? It would yeah. drive interest. People will watch. Uh, people will talk about MLS in South America. Maybe MLS wins it. Maybe Liga Mekis wins it. I think that's like the only way it can work uh, if it goes at the club level. I don't see another alternative. Yeah. So I think the solution is what FIFA is proposing, which is an expanded Club World Cup. Because here's here's my thing about competition. If we can't even compete with Mexico in terms of our domestic leagues, then what is the point? It's like trying to run before you can walk. It's also like it's not just the travel for me. It's like let's consistently at least trade off winning every other year the CONCACAF Champions League before we start talking about we need to play South American teams. I understand why Mexican teams say that. Liga MX teams are like, well, this is boring. We win every year. We, we need better competition. That I understand. But for the U.S., we're got, we've gotten better, right? This is like in the last five years, we're going to have three teams in a final, three out of five finals. So that's good. That's improvement. But we still haven't won it even once in God knows how long now. So I think we need to learn to walk before we can run. Now, what? I, but, but back to what I was saying earlier about the FIFA World Cup, Club World Cup, is an expanded tournament essentially replacing the Confederations Cup, which is an international tournament that now no longer exists, where you have the top three or four people who finish, like maybe the semifinalists from every confederation go and compete in this Club World Cup tournament. Because then we wouldn't just be facing Europe, uh, South American, we'd be facing European, African, and Asian teams, possibly even an Oceania team, although I doubt it. You know, <laughs> Like what if we had a 16-team tournament with four teams, no, a 20-team tournament with four teams each from North and South America, Africa, Asia, and Europe. So I heard it's going to be 24. That's what they want to do. Okay. So you'll and, and it was going to be, I think, six or eight Europeans and then four South Americans, four, uh, something like that, the, the division of it. But yeah, I, I think there's got to be more done to give some meaning to MLS, right? Because essentially what MLS has is MLS which yeah. has been struggling to drive interest of keeping interest of fans. Right. And by the way, guys, yeah, by the way, we're going to do a whole episode talking about MLS, what it's done, right. What it's done wrong, what it is doing wrong and, and what struggles MLS has been facing. And we're going to compare it to different leagues. So we're not going to dive and into also it some solutions. Like what does it need to do to generate more interest in America? Mm -hmm. I think what you said is one of the solutions too. Having these tournaments where you're competing with meaningful teams that people care about already, right? So the United States doesn't have a popularity issue with soccer. A lot of the people here love soccer. They just can't get into MLS. But if yeah. they all of a sudden see MLS playing Chelsea, playing a South American team they like, or yeah. playing a Real Madrid, and even if and, and let's say we're not going to beat them right away. Well, probably never. Honest, I don't know. But let's say we we lose. We build a competitive league and we lose to Real Madrid 2-0. That's honorable, right? That right. can get some people to like, hey, maybe this – it would take away that narrative of MLS being a retirement league or a crap league or a joke league the moment yes. they start playing these actual teams because we play just MLS – clubs and then no one cares about and then we go to concaf champions league and we're playing some mexican clubs and then we get smacked and we lose and we continue to be a joke um, yes. on top of that the revenue that would be generated by the club world cup if you have a tournament that big and they do a good job of like making it making people care about it the big team sending all their top players right 
then it could be a good revenue generator for MLS clubs. So now MLS has more money that it can then spend on improving the league, improving the quality of the play, getting better players. You know what I mean? That I think the FIFA Club World Club World Cup is a great move, not specifically for Europe. I don't think it helps European teams that much. It's just more schedules, like more more schedule for them. But what it does is it gives South American, African, Asian, and North American teams a chance to play on a world stage even if they lose, even if they get smacked, to get better, to present their best, to generate some revenue, and to grow the game. It's like the World Cup, but for clubs. I think that has huge potential, and I would love to see that happen. And I also think for MLS, because we're having so many young players coming out of MLS academies and playing MLS, some of them are going to be in these MLS teams that will play there. So they're going to gain that experience of playing yeah. against... So. It's just a win-win for every confederation except for UEFA, like you said. It's not a loss for them. They'll still make no. some money. It's an extra tournament. But, yeah, it's not going to... Also, UEFA has plenty of wins. Like, we don't need to keep giving them wins. <laughs> yeah. They've they've actually um, kind of, like, hijacked soccer in the world with yeah. All, yeah, all of it. So it's... Uh, and I'm not saying for us to take anything from them and redistribute it. Please. I'm, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we need to find ways to help soccer grow in other parts of the world because the gap with us and UEFA has just been growing over there. You see even Brazil and Argentina that used to be actually dominant forces struggling in the past yeah. few World Cups against UEFA because UEFA kind of just hijacked soccer from the entire world with um, a little bit of oil money here and there. A lot of money gets funded into UEFA because UEFA's teams have global appeal, right? All the best players play there. It's a cart horse problem because they have all the money, so they're able to get all the best players. They also get a lot of dirty money there, and the, that that's yeah, they have a lot of good of the you know they they have the best tournaments. So now yeah. think about this for a kid now to say, okay, I could go to this small team in Europe, but if I stay in MLS, I have a chance to play against in the Club World Cup. Now maybe right now that's no biggie, but maybe down the line that is a biggie, right? So it helps to not completely level the playing field, but to generate better quality uh an interesting exciting attractive soccer around the world and to be honest i think long term that benefits uefa because more more competition the better for uefa to be mm. honest that's what i think you know well, makes it, the game more exciting i also think that in terms of mls it'll help drive interest because fans will have something to look forward to it's like i really want to qualify because i want to go my team to play chelsea so there'll be more emotions more passion something mls yeah does lack people like to hear this or not mls does still not i'm not saying you listening to this lack passion what i'm saying is mls needs more people like you that's what i I'm would say to. the diehards mls fans are very passionate and you see that yeah. every time you go to mls stadium you talk to people who are, the diehards are passionate but there isn't widespread passion that's the problem that we have mm -hmm. but pete i think that does it for this episode we pretty much covered that we're for World Cup qualifying merging, we're for Copa America, we're against the club level merging. We would want more of like in a global scale in one location. Yeah. But I think that's everything. Anything else yeah. you want to add? Well, I should just say that World Cup qualifying is not going to merge. That's never going to, I don't believe that's ever going to happen unless they make some drastic 0.01 chance. 0.0001%. Yeah, yeah. We, we're just we're just messing around in a hypothetical situation that we would like to see. But yeah, I, I at least it won't happen in a foreseeable future. I think that's the best way to put it. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Um, 
So yeah, look, there's a, a ton to be excited about. This Copa America thing for me is the most exciting because I would love to have a meaningful tournament for us to compete in between the two World Cups because World Cup qualifying, first of all, we're not going to participate in it very likely. That's not for sure. But also, even if we do participate, if six teams qualify or five teams qualify now, it takes the edge out of it because no matter how bad you are, you're not going to drop out of the top five. You know? Yeah. It, and if you do, I don't think you'll we'll care enough to make it. No. So we need more meaningful competition, not just friendlies. We need meaningful competitions for our national team to play in, especially when there's no World Cup qualifying for us. And I think Copa America is the solution. And you could alternate one time in CONCACAF, one time in CONMEBOL. And, and it's already named Copa America. You don't even have to change the name. This is the tournament for the Americas, the Cup of the Americas. You know? So I don't... I don't see any problems with it. Everybody makes more money. Everybody gets better. Yeah, there, there was just a couple issues in the last edition in Centenario. Apparently, CONCACAF registered the name Copa America in the United States, and that pissed off Common Ball. Um, there were oh. many issues. So there were, there were issues that we can look up and we can maybe address them in the future. But that's outside of the field, and we don't want to talk about that right here. That's something that these two incompetent federations have to figure out on their own. Just stop yes. being greedy, work together, because they can make more money together. But with that said, everyone... Please drop a review if you haven't already. Hopefully a five-star review if you made it this far. We'll most certainly be reading another review next week. And again, thank you, DraftKings, for sponsoring this. Pete, want to close it? Sure. Um, thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for being a part of this community. Do you want to tease a video that you have coming out soon? Um, I mean, I'm just going to be doing the regular USMNT abroad, covering the Yanks abroad, and, and some World Cup videos. I don't know. You have anything coming up? Yeah, I have two coming up tomorrow, uh, Tuesday. So the day you listen to this, I have a video called Seven Things for Greg Berhalter to Do Before We Get to Qatar. It's basically oh, analyzing things that we need to improve on if we're going to be competitive in Qatar. And then I have a, a preview for the England-USA game with Henry Winter uh, on YouTube. So that's a, an hour-long conversation about the sport in our two countries. So check that out on YouTube, 11 Yanks, guys. I do have one with England, too, coming out, but not with the same guests, so I'm going to have different videos here. There's going to be a lot of these over the course of the year, I think. Yes. But, everyone, thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to drop a review, and have a great week, actually. Talk to you later.